The word of the Lord from Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited, when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus tells two parables in our gospel reading. One of them makes total sense in a strange kind of way. The other, not so much. The first parable is about humility. Jesus says, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. Now this is the parable that makes sense to me. And I say it's a little strange because it even makes sense to the old sinful nature. Old Adam usually knows that it's better to appear humble even if you're not. Back when I was in high school, I remember a Hollywood actor who won an Oscar and he said he stored it in his bathroom at home. That way, everybody who saw it thought he was super humble, but everybody who came for dinner saw it. 
Sinners often know that it's good at least to pretend to be humble. They often ridicule the proud, and they revel in the schadenfreude when someone who is arrogant gets put in their place. So it's better to be humble, to take a seat too low at the table, and be exalted by others. It's humiliating when the host has to ask you to move to the lower spot because you thought you were somebody that you're not. The Pharisees are just like everybody else. And Jesus sees that they have chosen their positions at the table carefully according to how much honor they are accorded and think they deserve. In a group like that, there's going to be jealousy, envy, pride, and covetousness chewing away inside because that happens among any group of sinners. Now, it's kind of strange that Jesus is taking time to hand out protocol advice to Pharisees. Nevertheless, he tells the parable and he concludes by saying, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If we wanted, we could also translate his words to be, For everyone who lifts himself up will be humiliated, and he who humiliates himself will be lifted up. That sounds a little odd too, humiliating yourself to be lifted up. Anyway, Jesus moves on to a second parable that sounds a little on the strange side. He says to the host, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. That one doesn't sit so well. If you're planning a dinner or a party, it's only natural that you want to celebrate with people you know and enjoy, which means, of course, that you're going to invite friends and family. Furthermore, it's only natural for them to enjoy your hospitality and then return the favor. That's what friends and family do. Jesus strikes me as pretty pro-community and certainly pro-family, but here he tells you not to invite friends or family to your party. Why? Because, he says, they might return the favor. Don't cancel the dinner, though. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Why? Well, I'd expect Jesus to say that it's because they're afflicted and normally neglected, and you should love your afflicted neighbor rather than ignore them to party with friends. I mean, that fits with what he says elsewhere, but that's not the reason Jesus gives here. Instead, you should invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind because they can't return the favor. It sounds a little crazy to me. I'd invite you over for dinner, but I can't risk you wanting to do the same. Yet, says Jesus, if you invite those who cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So Jesus is sounding a little odd with this second parable, as if his purpose is to make you feel guilty at your next Christmas dinner. However, while Jesus does command you to love your neighbor and care for those who are poor and afflicted, that's not what he's getting at in this lesson. 
if you take the two parables and put them together, then you suddenly have a banquet full of afflicted strangers where everybody should vie for the lowest seat and nobody should take a place of honor. Huh. Before we go further on that, we should take a look at what's already happened when Jesus tells the parables. He's been invited to dinner by a ruler of the Pharisees, and the seats are filled with lawyers and Pharisees who are watching him carefully. They're watching him because they want him to do something wrong, because they don't like him very much, and they want grounds to prove that he's not the Messiah. They'd like very much to prove that Jesus is a fake and a lawbreaker. They would love to humiliate Jesus. The opportunity seems to arise because a man afflicted with dropsy stands before Jesus, which should put the Savior in a bind. See, it's the Sabbath, and no one is allowed to work on the Sabbath. If Jesus heals the man, then he breaks the law by working to heal him. If Jesus keeps the law and doesn't heal him, then Jesus fails to love the man and help him as he could. Looks like they've got Jesus in a bind, but Jesus knocks them on their heels by naming the trap and saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Exposed, they remain silent, so Jesus takes hold of the man, heals him, and sends him away. He then points out their hypocrisy by asking them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And then, if you're willing to break the law to save a son or an ox on the Sabbath, why would it be wrong to save this man from dropsy? See, for Jesus, their trap is no dilemma at all. But here's the really good part. The lesson here is not that it's okay to break the law in order to do good. You might very well find yourself in a situation where doing good involves breaking the law. For instance, if I'm experiencing severe chest pains and you're driving me to the hospital, feel free to ignore the speed limit signs. It's still breaking the law, but I'll gladly pay for any tickets. But Jesus isn't teaching the Pharisees about the lesser of two evils. He's teaching something much better because someone much better has come. Does Jesus break the law by healing the man on the Sabbath? He does not. He doesn't break the Sabbath, but he fulfills it because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Back in Exodus, the Lord commanded his people to do no work on the Sabbath as a weekly reminder that he was their help, their life, and their salvation. Now, the same Lord reclines at this table in the flesh. And when the man with dropsy appears before him, he does what he does and has always done. He gives the man help and life and salvation. For centuries, the Sabbath rest was set in place to remind people that the Messiah would come and give them rest from sin by giving them peace with God. Now, the Messiah has arrived, and here he shows his power over sin by sending the dropsy, one of the wages of sin, away.
This miracle is not a lesson in when it's okay to break the law. Rather, it's an announcement that the Christ has come to save. All of a sudden, then, those two parables take on a different meaning. See, if Jesus is using this meal to teach a little bit about the kingdom of heaven, you can bet that those parables are going to bolster his point. That first parable, then, the one that made sense about choosing your seat and being humble, it is good advice for you, but it's really a lesson about Jesus. The Son of God deserves the place of honor. After all, in heaven, he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. When he becomes flesh, it would make absolute sense if he always had the best seat in the house. His first cradle should be gold in a palace, not a manger in a stable. He should live in the best of mansions and people should come to him, but instead... He has no place to call home as he seeks out sinners to save. He should have a throne, not a cross. In other words, while Jesus deserves the best seat all the time, he has humbled himself and taken on the form of a servant in order to redeem sinners. Remember his words at the end of the parable, Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And remember, it could also be translated, for everyone who lifts himself up will be humiliated, and he who humiliates himself will be lifted up. Jesus has humiliated himself in the sense that he has willingly taken a station in life lower than he deserves in order to save sinners. And in response, Sinners will go to humiliate him and then lift him up, lift him up high on a cross to kill him. But what happens when he is crucified? He dies to save sinners. Then he rises again, ascends into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God once again. The one who is humiliated is exalted. He is lifted up on high to the Father's right hand. You want the really good news? Because you're baptized, you're joined to Christ. So if he who died is raised up and lifted up to heaven, then he will raise you up to heaven too. This is all for you. Then there's that second parable, the the strange one. Why does Jesus instruct the Pharisees to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind to a banquet? Because that's what he does. Because of sin, there is no one worthy of heaven. We are born blind in sin, dead in sin, and enemies of God. We're not exactly the sorts of people that holy God invites into heaven with our sin and its corruption. But Jesus becomes flesh. He shoulders all of our sin and all of our afflictions, and he bears them to the cross. He suffers the penalty for our sin, and he dies. He rises again, and he invites, he calls us to the wedding feast of the Lamb in heaven, which has no end. He calls you friend, and he tells you to move up higher, and you are seated at the table with him. 
because Jesus humbles himself, dies, rises, and calls you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You will be credited with his holiness solely by his grace, and you will dwell in his house forever. The Lord of the Sabbath comes to give you peace and rest, healing and salvation. For his sake, the kingdom and the banquet feast are yours. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.